Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. of Homeschooling Helps. I'm Andrea Schwartz. And I'm Nancy Wilk. So Nancy and I talk across the country. She's on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. And because we're both involved in mentoring situations and being grandmas ourselves, there are a lot of issues that we have the benefit of having been there and done that. And actually, this week's topic sprung from Nancy's experience. So Nancy, why don't you share what our topic is and why you thought it was appropriate? Sure. Our topic is what are the pitfalls or downside of teaching your children to say, I'm sorry. I have the privilege of working with a young mom and her three children, mentoring her. And that's one of the things that we have come across um, in learning to um, parent these children. I see it a lot of other times a child will come and snatch a toy from their friend and mom or dad will say, give that back. Tell them you're sorry. You're sorry. You're sorry. And the child will often do just that. But I know that there's something missing. That child's heart is not really connected to what is, was the, pro- what is the problem, you know? So that's what we want to talk about today and look at just saying you're sorry, how that really misses God's purpose of um, repentance, restoration, and demonstrating our um, redemption and submission to the Lord. So that's where we want to go with that, Andre. So before you start talking about um, sorry and infractions of rules, we've got to identify that man's problem all men's problems, whether they're kids, toddlers, babies, older people, uh, seniors, is sin. That's our problem. Our problem isn't that we're human. God said that it was good that we were human. At the end of the sixth day of creation, he looked upon his creation and said it was good. So we can't hide behind this idea that we're only human. Not only are we only human, we are totally human. That's what we are. We're not God. We are creatures. We are not the creator. But we also know that as a result of the transgression of Adam and Eve, we come into the world as sinners. And as cute as our little babies are when they're born, scrunched up and everything else, maybe other people would think they're cute, but we certainly think they're cute. It's easy to forget that you've just brought a new sinner into the family. Um, And it doesn't mean that you can't care and love and find the um, the benefits of being able to nurture and raise a child. But if we don't understand that sin is man's basic problem, it's too easy to come across with shortcuts. So okay. it's especially obvious when we're in public situations and our child does something that's wrong and embarrasses us. Oftentimes, instead of dealing with the offense, we're more consumed with how embarrassed we are that our little darling just did this. And as a result of that, we try to impress upon others 
what a good parent we are. And we'll go up and we'll say, say you're sorry. Now, the defiant kid, of which we all know some, will say, no, I'm not sorry. And now we have the struggle of say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. Well, he's not sorry. So what's the point of getting him to say he's sorry if he's not? Right. Often that just is a demonstration of a power struggle. Right. It's just a power struggle. Right. So Jesus told us, and this would apply to us with our children as well, that you'll know them by their fruits, not by their words. So if you've ever been the recipient, and I have, where I've been in a situation as an adult and a child came up and kicked me, and now the mother is very, very upset and, first of all, doesn't even seek to find out why the child kicked me. I mean, maybe I kicked the child first and she doesn't know. <laughs> but regardless of it, her situation, again, in that public setting is to tell the child to say he's sorry. Now, depending on whether or not this has been a scenario that's been a lot with them, he'll go, I'm sorry. Now, none of us, mom, me, or the child, believe he's sorry. But he just said it. And that's what she said. So in a sense, he's been obedient. He said mm -hmm. he was sorry. Check that box, right? Check that box. So what, I mean, the whole idea of our words and our actions communicate what we think is important. So what has that mother just communicated to that child? That if he says what she tells him to say that everything's okay and it didn't really deal with his heart, it didn't really deal with is Miss Andrea okay? Why did he kick her? Should he have? It, and it doesn't it doesn't um, it doesn't speak to God's requirement to train that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It may be the polite thing to say in public, but but it didn't really train that child. Right. And polite, we can go into what is polite and what's not polite. Is hypocrisy polite? Is saying what you mean correct or saying what others want you to hear? Now, before we get into what should happen, how often are you the person who's received the kick and then said, oh, no, it's okay. Now, first of all, you've just undermined the parent. Does the parent really want the child to think, oh, kicking adults is great. This lady just said it was okay. So we all get into this idea of we got to get this fixed. This is mm. an embarrassment for everybody. We'd like it to go away and we want to go on with our life. <laughs> but it I doesn't go away. Yeah, I think that's a really great point that when we say, oh, it's okay that we are undermining the parent, letting the kid off the hook. And and I think sometimes people might do that because they don't know how to instruct their own children, right. you know, and so it permits them to excuse their kids who are who who kick in the next adult or kid. So let's just get it on the table. It's hard being in an uncomfortable situation. You know, if your children are um, at a dinner and one of them burps, that's embarrassing. But everybody burps. So if we're going to make it, I, I remember I, this happened to me as a child. And you would think that I had wiped out half of, you know, one continent. My mother was so embarrassed and there was this big to do. But who doesn't burp sometime or other in their life? 
Right. 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 So I'm not suggesting that we encourage people to belch in public. We would explain it to them afterwards. So what's wrong with, okay, let's go to the scenario. Your child just kicked me in the shins. It's totally appropriate for the woman to say, I'm sorry, my child did this. I'm going to deal with him later on this. I know enough to know this will not resolve right now. And so you can look at your child and say, we're going to talk about this later. And now go sit here or go sit in the car or depending on how old it is. In other words, you've got to acknowledge that something wrong took place without having to say, we have to handle it here and now. And we want to get it off the table and see, okay, everything's, everything's back to normal. Well, it's not back to normal, especially if it hurt when he kicked me. When he mm-hmm. says, I'm sorry, it doesn't stop my pain in my leg. So he should never get the thought that says, okay, as soon as I say, I'm sorry, everything's fine. Because we both know that we can get into situations as adults and somebody offends, whether us personally or property or whatever it is, and thinks if you say, I'm sorry, it's all taken care of. Yeah, I borrowed Mm -hmm. your car, I smashed it, I'm sorry. Does it fix the car? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Or we agree to do something, then change our mind and say, oh, well, sorry, you know. So what does that say? What is that? What kind of quality um, does that give to our word? Right. That we're not trustworthy. Right. So here are the things we have to acknowledge. People, our children are going to sin. Now, since this is specifically homeschooling help, let me tell you the opportunity you have as a homeschooling parent who has the opportunity to have your children with you. Guess what you're going to see manifested throughout the day? You're going to see sin. And then you have the opportunity to deal with it as opposed to shrug it off. Right. And we learn how to do that at home so that when we go out in public, there's a, a, an established order and expectation so that it reduces the likelihood that we'll be caught off guard. It won't, ex- it won't excuse it. It won't eliminate it. But it will give us opportunity to prepare them and to practice them and to train them at home before they're kicking the neighbors in the shin. Right. And so if there's been this pattern of identifying something was wrong, pointing out how it was sinful, dealing with the passage of scripture that addresses that sinful thing. And as a parent, you have to discern between wanting somebody wanting his own way, somebody being prideful, somebody um, trying to take a shortcut himself. I know with my son once, we noticed that he was doing so well in his schoolwork. I mean, Every single test was 100%. And of course, I was a rookie homeschool mom, and I was congratulating him how good it was until one day he got a zero. So how do you go from getting 100% on all your tests to getting a zero? Hmm. Well, if you have gone to the answer key for most of your answers, But one day you're off a little bit and you go to the wrong lesson, you're not going to get the right answers. So we had to discover that, you know, for I had to delve. Why is it that you thought it was okay to lie? 
-hmm. There are all sorts of interesting justifications for that, right? Like, well, it made you happy that I got 100% or I had things I wanted to do. But it gave us the opportunity that school or education that day was going to be on honesty, integrity, even identifying why am I having you learn this? Do you think I really wake up in the morning saying, I hope he just gets the right answers by copying the answer key? You see, so it's an opportunity to get to the root of things. And you might have to decide that your lesson plan for that day gets put to the side because we have something very, very important and life-changing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now, I used to get surprised when my children sinned. Well, that was more of a reflection on the lack of depth of my theology. Because if I was going to say they didn't sin, maybe I was overlooking sin in my own life as well. Right. We we do not, um, as a culture, often recognize um, what God says about people, that we are born in, with sin and that we choose to sin. We, we have bought the lie that all these little precious babies are all good and that, that a, a white uh, empty slate to, to build good on top of good. And we, if you really pay attention to your little tiny baby, you don't have to teach them to be bad. They come out of the chute knowing, knowing how to be rebellious and demanding their own way in every single circumstances. And what's more, you're more of a teacher by what you do than what you'll ever say. So Mm -hmm. if your children witness you and your spouse having a disagreement and it just always, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, without explaining what that means. First of all, I really would like the child to feel bad that he kicked me in the shin. He should feel bad. Right. But... If repentance, and this is where what we should be doing, repentance means, in terms of the actual definitions, making a 180. So you're going down the street, you realize, whoa, I'm going the wrong way. And if your GPS is a good one, it tells you to make a legal U-turn. And you make your legal U-turn, and now you're going the correct direction. Mm -hmm. Well, repentance is all about going in the correct direction. The correct direction based on God's word, not our opinions. Exactly. So as a parent, you need to know what the correct direction is. You need to say, okay, what's the sin here? And what does God say needs to happen in terms of making this right? Well, if you know biblical law, you know that there are some infractions that cost a person his or her life. Rarely are we going to encounter that in the homeschool situation with children under, you know, our responsibility and authority, although I suppose it could happen. Right. Right. But most of the time it will either be restitution or that the offense is such that the parent has to communicate the severity of the offense and make the penalty or the consequent sufficient that this message is driven home. Right. Nobody spends an awful lot saying, I'm sorry. Right. So that, um, so that if restitution is not able to be made, the punishment should 
should fit the crime in that sense. That's what it means, an eye for an eye. It's not about revenge. It's about the punishment um, uh, fitting the crime. And so uh, you can give us some examples of that. Can, can you give us some examples sure. of that? Okay, okay, so in the case of um, the person who, namely my son, years and years, decades ago, um, uh, lied about his schoolwork. All right, mm -hmm. so to identify what was going on there. So there was a deception. He was bearing false witness. Mm -hmm. He certainly wasn't um, honoring his father and his mother. Mm -hmm. And he certainly was um, not honoring God. So the first table of the law was evidence in violation. And then we can talk about other things as well. So he needed to understand that when somebody lies and that's what the person does, that there's been a loss of trust. And what is it going to take to regain that trust? Well, sometimes it takes a while for someone to come under conviction. If we want it to happen in 20 minutes, if we want to say by the end of the day, I want you sorrowful and I want you repented, right? <laughs> Repentance is an inward change only possible through the grace of the Holy Spirit. Nobody right. repents on their own. Right. So you've instructed, you've pointed, you've used the law as a tutor to your child. And now the child has to feel the consequences of the action, depending on the severity. So in the case of kicking Mrs. Schwartz in the shins, the parent needs to spend time probably privately with the child to go over it, get the child to see the offense, why it was an offense, how it was offense, not against only Mrs. Schwartz. It was also an offense against your family and your family's reputation. And ultimately it was an offense against God. And what could your child do to demonstrate that he or she recognizes the severity of it? So maybe a call comes into the offended party and say, we've talked about it. Um, is there any work around your house that my son or daughter could do. And so then the son or daughter spends some time, depending on the age, you know, cleaning up the backyard or helping, you know, sort through a closet or whatever it is. So now there's restored fellowship with the kicker and the kicky. And mm -hmm. now people are involved in terms of showing the child that you are a sinner. So it's an opportunity to point out that apart from Christ, you would do this all the time. That this is not just some sort of, you know, everybody does this. Well, everybody does it, but they do it because they're born with a sinful nature. And right. so having the chance to take this one incident and then make it be something that you look back on and say, thank God this happened because we're in a position to deal with it. And that's what parenting is about. It's hard. You have to spend the time. It is. And you have to know what it is that you're really correcting, you right. know, instead of covering over your own embarrassment, you have to know what you're really correcting and why you're correcting it. And um, one of the things that I have found helpful, um, it, it, I started doing this before I even um, really learned to um, recognize more succinctly um, the law of God. We had three rules in our house. And I recommend this as a great starting place while moms and kids um, grow in their understanding of God's requirement. That was that we obey God, we love people, and we take care of things. 
So as we grow in understanding, what does it look like? God's law tells us what it looks like to love God. His law tells us what it looks like to love people. His word tells us what it looks like to be good stewards. So of our of our things and our opportunities. So so if we could just start there, I find that most offenses are going to be able to be communicated in one of those three terms, broad terms, while we learn the specifics of um, God's law as as the parent. Right. Right. But as we've talked before, parenting is not for the faint of heart because it means that you as a sinner have to identify the sin in your own life and the sin that you might be modeling to your children and at the same time correcting. And too many people find it too difficult. And that's why they're more than happy when, you know, Johnny or Judy gets to be five years old and now we can send them to school because now it's somebody else's problem. Right. Well, let's talk about what happens if you don't deal with I didn't like what Mrs. So-and-so said to me and I kicked her in the shin. Okay. So maybe the child is six and a child of six can hurt you when he or she, you know, when he kicks you, right. Add 10 years. Now what happens when he's angry? Add 20 years. Now what happens when he's angry? Exactly. How many Just how many jails and prisons are filled with people not who say, oh, yeah, they're just filled with sinners. Well, yeah, duh, of course they are. But people who have never been corrected and mm-hmm. built a pattern of disobedience and acting contrary to God's word. Right. We have to recognize what this is going to look like when it grows up. It, it, we might be able to um, justify um, in our own mind to excuse a child. But we can't let it continue. You know, when they're six, they should know better. You know, even an, even a little six-month-old that's kicking and fighting from a diaper change can begin to be corrected in terms of self-control. Right. Too often, <clears throat> too often how parents deal with this is they try to bribe the child with candy or if you don't, you know, say you're sorry, and if you don't, then you'll miss your ice cream because we all go out for ice cream after church on Sunday You see, then what you're doing is communicating the idea that this is a bargain, that if you do what I ask you to do because I'm terribly embarrassed, then um, we can, I'll reward you. So we should never be rewarding people for bad behavior. And unfortunately, our society does that all the time. Right. There is one thing I think that we we need to recognize as adults and teach this to our children that we certainly don't want to reward them for bad behavior. But the scripture is very, very clear that God blesses obedience. So there are happy consequences when we obey and there are sad consequences. The Bible calls them sanctions or curses for when we don't obey. So that is something that we do need to um, very clearly uh, remember to put into this whole you know, whole conversation that there's unhappy consequences when we choose not to obey God. And, and that happens even if mama sees it or not. True. And for young moms or moms who are in the throes of their homeschooling or their parenting, it's why it's a good idea to find a Titus to older woman. 
you know, I walk around grocery stores, I walk and I see in parking lots, kids throwing a fit and their mother trying to deal with it. Well, I don't wait for permission. I will oftentimes walk up to total strangers in that situation and I'll look at the child and I'll say, you need to listen to your parents. And the child will stop and have these big wide eyes and the mother doesn't always know what to do. And then I go on my way, right? I know that First of all, I can let the mother know, please, this is not out of the ordinary. Everybody has this. I know you're terribly embarrassed right now, right? And then when you have the opportunity for mentoring situations to do just like you said, you have to teach them because now we've raised our own children. They're in, all of them are adults, yours and mine. And we see, oh, this pattern continued, or I'm glad we nipped that in the bud because. I can see now that my child is responsible. So because we've been there and done that, we can offer perspective. Um, As a mentor, I'm not trying to run other people's lives. That's no fun to run other people's lives. I don't want to do it. But I would like to help them get on a biblical footing. Right. Mine's, Mine's hard enough. The problem with me, Andrea, is no matter where I go, there I am. So I got enough problems dealing with myself. You know, and that's true of all of us. We we all have we we will never outgrow our need to repent of our sin and to recognize it as an offense against God. Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing that I always like to make clear to the women I mentor, especially those with multiple children, or you and I are currently not in the same situation. You have noise around you all the time. And I have a relatively quiet household because it's me most of the time during the day when my husband's at work. And when he comes back, we don't tend to run through the house screaming a lot and, you know, destroying things and, and, you know, arguing and bickering and hitting each other. Thank God for that. But we don't do that. So what we can offer is perspective and empathy and not an attitude that basically says you're doing it all wrong, sweetie. This is how you should do it. Um, I get the greatest traction in sharing my own personal stories of let me tell you how I handled this. And guess what? It worked and it was right. Or let me tell you how I handled this and I had to pay it. You know, I had to deal with it again later on. So it's not so much, well, I could never seek out help because they would see how bad our situation is. The Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing your child is doing or will do that hasn't happened before. Right, right, right. I have seen children that are perfect specimen, perfect specimen of a sin, sinful human. And so you're right. There's nothing new under the sun. We just have to recognize it for what it is and, and learn to navigate these days in terms of what God says is true about himself, about us and and our children. One of the things that I think that we really need to make note of is that if we're doing these things, or if we're not doing these things as self-governing believer under the authority of God, we become our own little tyrant to go in our household and in our our children's lives. And we don't want to do that. So if that is our position, we need to repent of that first so that we can have the proper authority with which to move forward in terms of training our children. So Andrea, if, um, if somebody's listening and they are just like, uh, just, just getting a glimpse of 
where they need to be, what would you recommend for them in terms of reading material, resources, and how do you get started moving from, from there to here? Okay. Well, all along in these broadcasts, we've been suggesting and encouraging people to make use of learning biblical law. So people can go to uh, the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. Uh, there's a website, ctti.org, and they can start the process of learning biblical law. But it's going to take a while to do that. So when I was trying to ascertain how I could impart what I learned over the years, I came up with the idea of taking actual accounts, actual situations that happened in our family and putting them into story form so they could be read aloud stories that parents would read to their children and then discuss it. And so the first book I wrote was called Teach Me While My Heart is Tender. And it dealt with this forgiveness and repentance. And so there's a story in there in terms of not just saying you're sorry, but the difference between sorrow and true repentance. So the first book had three stories. And then years later, um, I was asked by people, oh, you have to come up with another storybook. And so the second book is called Family Matters. And they're sort of like a play on word, matters having to do with the family, family matters, and that family matters. This is where people are going to learn. And so there are a number of stories in that book that deal with other things that have come up in terms of responsibility and self-control. And maybe someday I'll write another book as I, as I put it all together. But this is an easy way. It's a non-threatening way. And I've had people, including you, tell me that when you read the story or one of the stories to one of your children or grand, your grandchildren, actually, but I've heard parents say it, they're talking about how it was an enriching experience because, number one, they learned something that they hadn't learned before. And two, it started a conversation. In one woman's case, she had eight children. She said, you should have seen the confessions that started coming out of my children, <laughs> things I had no idea that they had done. But the stories convicted them enough that they felt like they had to come clean. Right, right, right. I, I just want to make one point about your stories, Andrea. Um, that you you told me, which I, I, I really appreciate, you said you had to change the names to protect the guilty. Absolutely. Yeah, so <laughs> I didn't use my children's names. I didn't use our <laughs> names, but I didn't fabricate anything that happened. And I actually got some negative reactions at first saying, do you really want to tell a story about that? And I said, well, it's what happened. And as long as I frame it in a biblical context and what we did about it, um, because we didn't, we don't always look good. And just so you know, my children got to see the manuscripts before we published. And in many cases, they went, yep. As a matter of fact, you left something out. Remember when this happened and, and whatever? And so they weren't upset with the fact that this got shared. Right. And biblically, you know, the Lord tells us how he deals with his children. The good, the, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly warts and all. You know, and if if we don't discipline our children, then then we're not really loving them biblically. So, you know, this is a great resource. And there's biblical precedence. St. Paul, who was formerly Saul the Pharisee, made a big point of letting people who would listen to him know 
what he had done, how he had to come to repentance and faith, and that what happened afterwards. And nobody could say that he was shy about telling his life story, nor that he didn't um, deal with the consequences of a lot of things in his life. So there's precedent. It's okay to come clean before God and then use that as the opportunity to share your testimony because the things that happen to us in our life, that's our testimony. Right, right, right. And repentance doesn't necessarily eliminate consequences. We still may have, there still are consequences that we need to um, navigate. Right. Even after we've made it right verbally, after our heart has changed, there's still consequences that need to be navigated. So there's some great examples and opportunities to learn here. And let's leave this with one thought. Because God punishes sin, we should rejoice because it means he keeps his promises. And there's not only a promise for punishment and cursing and, and, and co negative consequences for sin. There's incredible blessing with obedience and repentance. And the whole equation has to include when your child does repent, you don't reward the child for repentance and say, okay, now there's an ice cream because you repented, but you let the child know that he or she has earned your trust again. And that uh, trust is the sort of thing that is hard to get and easy to lose. And that you let the child know that once the cycle is complete, that this is not going to hang over his or her head for the rest of his life that we took care of that. You made up for that. I see a change in behavior. So we're always going for the restoration of relationship, not just punitive damages. Right. And that's the real gospel. That's yes. it. That's, that's possible it. Because, of, because of the cross of Christ. Right. Okay. All right. Very good, friend. Well, I'll talk to you again next week. Same here. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast, holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.